There is nothing, absolutely nothing, like being able to serve yourself food when you need it. And that's what On Demand is about. You get to sit down at the Word of God when you can, when you're off work, when you have free time, and allow God to speak to you. So you're here with me today to have an On Demand journey. So join me today for a message that will unlock truth in your life and give you peace and blessing, I pray in Jesus' name. Enjoy today's message. Turn your Bible, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. Now, this is a clean-up sermon. This is a sermon that came out of um, a discussion. Uh, we have been talking about uh, dealing with your real-life issues. If you're going to get your life on the right path, you have to deal with the real issues in your life and not ignore them. And all year long, I keep saying this every week, I'm answering one question. How do you get your life on the right path? You build a better you, you build a better vision, you build a better foundation, you make better decisions, and you deal with your real life issues. Can you say real life issues? If you deal with the real issues in your life, you can get your life on the right path. If you don't deal with them, you will not succeed. And I talked about sexual issues being one of those issues. Confronting yourself and how you manage your sexual life. Are you, are you clear? Are you mature? Are you all over the place? Uh, you know, pornography puts you all over the place, lies to you, tells you stuff that's not true. That just isn't true. It's a lie. Actors and actresses faking to make you believe, and especially if you're a guy being drawn into that world, you're moved by sight. It's a real trap for you that, that, that redefines things in your mind that you don't want. You don't want your pastor into that. You don't want me not being able to look at people as people. And so you want to be clear about that. Men and women get trapped. But men, I want you to really hear me. It's a real trap for you. We talked about that in a whole, had a whole discussion about it. Then we talked about relationship issues. That's a real issue for you. How you get along with people. Listen, it's how you get along with people. You know, it's, it's, it's so simple but so profound. I watch it all the time. I watch people lose perspective. If you can't get along with people, how can you succeed? Your goal in life is to tell everybody off, set everybody straight, get everybody, you know, I don't take anything. Well, you're not going to have anything either. Jesus took something. You know better than him. People may not like you or treat you fairly, but you can't kung fu everybody and tattoo your name on everybody because they don't quite do everything the way you want them to. And you have to think about that. And I've watched good people. You have great academic skills. You have great work ethic, but you do not do well relating to people. And that's a challenge. It affects you in a lot of areas of your life. And then thirdly, we're talking today about work issues. And this has been a three, four month week discussion. And I, I believe very strongly that when it comes to how to work, it's important. So we use Nehemiah as our guide. And we went through about three sermons on Nehemiah and talked through how he worked and got things done in 52 days and, and the people that tried to stop him and how he had to work with difficult people and how some people can't go with you. And so we went through this whole thing with Nehemiah. Now, I, this is my loose end sermon. This is the one that, uh, in a discussion with the staff, I realized I hadn't talked about this. Your job. So I want to just talk about your job. Can you say J-O-B? Your job today. It's all about your job. So how to, how to do better on the job God gave you. How to do better. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. How to do better on the job God gave you. I want to read a verse. It's, uh, it's from Second um, Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. For even when we were with you, Paul is talking to the church of Thessalonica, okay, we commanded you this. If any will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in, in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in what? Quietness and eat what? Their own bread. Read that last part. Eat what? One more time. Eat what bread? Their own bread. This is a sidebar for a minute before I read any further. I have a lot of friends who do well. And one of the things I've learned about having friends who do well is in order to remain their friend, I don't need to think that their bread is my bread. I don't need to think that there are nice houses where I get to go and stay when I go in town. That every time I go, I, I, I have to stay with you because you got this big place. Now, it's nice if you're that kind of friend and you got that kind of relationship. That's all good. But there is a presumption of ownership that comes with sometimes friendships. 
that can be very dangerous. And I think what's helped me maintain good relationships is I eat my own bread. I don't assume when we go out to dinner that you're going to pay for it. I don't assume things like that. I don't think that you owe me money or that when I have a financial need, it's your need. No, that's your car payment. That's my car payment. That's not yours. You don't, you don't drive this car every day. And so I, don't, I, I shouldn't come with the sense of expectation. I'm not, I'm not against helping people. I'm not against helping your kids. I'm not against any of that. I think there's a time and a season for all of that. And they can come in without expectation. And that's okay. I don't have any problem with that. But here's what I just think is a problem. When you think like these folks. Now, this is interesting because in 2 Thessalonians, Paul is talking to a group of people who have become basically Christian lazy folks. And they're not working. So the two things I want you to remember, though, because it's really important to not get this wrong. Okay, number one, this is not a conversation about having a a nine-to-five job. I'm not talking about just that kind of job. This conversation includes people without traditional jobs. Again, this, this conversation includes people without traditional jobs. Anybody, anyone in a family that looks to the family to provide for them should note this verse. If you're in a family situation and someone is providing for you, you should note this. Now, again, it's not about 9 to 5. Because I don't believe that, if, let's say if you're a housewife or a house guy or whatever, that you somehow should feel guilty if you can't give it the same level as the other person you're with. That's not what this is about. Because you can take that and get this wrong. Sometimes you just have more skills. For example, any guy who marries Oprah Winfrey, it's over. It's <laughs> <laughs> just... just Dude, whatever you got, man, just, just, you know, just keep it. <laughs> I mean, if you're dealing with somebody that's got resources that are just amazing, it's just amazing and just enjoy it. I, I don't think that it's about that kind of competition. But it's about equal participation. It's about your willingness to, to participate in making this all work. You know, you do your part. You're part of the fight. You're part of the army. And I was just telling my wife on the way over here, that's exactly what she is. She's an incredible part of the fight. She just always in, wants to be in, and, and doesn't compete with my income or my abilities to re- develop resources. Her, her fight is, is to be in the fight. And you, just, you know, when you, you're in the fight, you don't ever wonder if they're in the fight. You never have to ask, is this person, you know, helping? Because they're always in it. And they're, on the, they're in the front of it. And I, I really believe... Sometimes when it comes to work, if we're honest, some of us have become what he called disorderly, which is an interesting term. Because the word disorderly can be translated to be irresponsible, lazy, undisciplined, idle, or or, or just not to fully discharge your obligations. Now, Now, just think for a second. I have in my life, at moment, I've been disorderly. I've always worked hard. But I can see seasons when I wasn't at my game. I wasn't in it. I sh- and I have to learn. And that was a big gift my mother gave me. You know, you work. you got to work. You're praying for God to prosper you, but your problem could be that you have a very disorderly attitude towards work. Let's say you don't have a traditional job. You have, an, you have a fixed income. How do you manage that? Are, are, you, are you managing with, with an aggressive commitment to budget and Living within your means, or are you lazy about it? Just spend, do, loan, give to the kids, give everybody. You just don't stop and say, here are my boundaries. There's something about having an honest conversation, and that's what he's having with, with this church. He says, some of you are busybodies. You're in everybody else's business, but not your own. And so that's what Ricky's thinking about. Ricky thinks about his church. He thinks about himself, my family, me, Ricky, Ricardo, last name. Thank you. What is your name? Okay, this is not going well. Um, you're going to do what I just did. First name? Second name? Last name? Thank you. That's what we're talking about. It's when you can honestly sit down and say, this is about me. And in this job, you know, I don't know, it's crazy thoughts people have. Are you 24 hours? You're never off. Man, I'd be crazy. I have to learn to think about Ricky. And sometimes I have to, and you may think this is extreme, I have to sit in front of the mirror and say, can I ask you a question, sir? Are you thinking about you? Are you thinking about you? I'll, I'll come in here, right, and I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll feel pressure, you know, 
because I see, you know, I had a guy there and preach. And I was like, can I ask you a question? What do you have to do? You have to put your mic on. Okay, okay. Pause. Okay, you, you get, remember, you're going to do this three times. They're doing it once. Okay? They're going to sit there and listen to you, and I need you to be focused. You need to pray for a few minutes before you come out. You need to sit in the back, relax, breathe, do a few push-ups, it's up, get your mind right, and come do your job and be happy. Because then you're going to greet before church, you're going to greet after church. You've got to pace yourself. And there are moments you just have to say, I'm not them, I'm me. Can you say that, please? Come on. I am not them, I'm me. About me being mentally and emotionally healthy. And sometimes people are not, you're not focused on you. Your marriage, your life, your career. People ask me to do things all the time, and I say, yeah, I can do it for a minute. And they get bothered sometimes. Well, no, aren't you committed? Not, 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 not to that degree. I can't be. And keep my day job and keep myself sane and happy and to be healthy. Some of, some of us are living disorderly lives. Your life is scattered. That's what was wrong here. When it came to work and being focused, they were disorderly. They were lazy. They weren't paying attention to their life. I went to my closet one day. I looked at it and said, God, Lee Temple, come on now, man. This is horrible. Books everywhere. So I organized it. I spent, it took me about a month. But I said, you cannot let this be. I sat just the other day in my closet. Anybody know about those closets? Don't this stuff just get out of order, just get out of place? I said that the whole, I said that about a couple of hours, three hours. I said, you know, no, you're not leaving the closet. Mm-mm. No, sir. We're going to hang it up, fold it up. We're going to throw out, get rid of it. I had shoes I would never wear again in life. So I gave them to somebody else who thought they were awesome. I needed to decide. Am I, am, this is disorderly. My life is scattered. My thoughts are scattered. Sit at the table. You have sermons to do, and you have engagements coming up. You need to organize your schedule. Where are you going? Look at your calendar every day. Look at your calendar every Come on, temple, every day. I need you to see what's coming up tomorrow. Lay out your clothes. Lay them out. No picking in the morning. You know yourself. That don't work right. That don't good. Stop it. Amen. Everybody say disorderly. disorderly. Sometimes your life is disorderly. Your money is disorderly. You don't know what you have. You don't know what you have. You don't know what's in the bank. You don't know anything. You have balanced your checkbook in. Okay, you never balanced your checkbook ever. <laughs> and nowadays, you, you know, there's new technology that makes all that easier. But if you're, not, if you're not clear, where is the church's money? Do I even know? Do I understand? Am I, am I clear about the future? What are plans for next year? What's my vision for next year? What are the sermons going to be for next year? Do I even know? Do I have a clue? Or have I just just wandering around? No. Disorderly behavior hinders God from blessing you. I found something the other day. I bought another one. Didn't know I had that one. I went and bought bought a shirt, a gray shirt. You see me wear a gray shirt. That's the one, right? I went because I said, I need a gray and I had a gray shirt, the exact same shirt. Say it with me, please. Come on. The exact same shirt. You know why I couldn't see it? Because it was up there in the top of the closet, hidden away. Is your life a mess? Is it all over the place? Take a moment for yourself and organize your life. Look at your life and say, how can God possibly bless this kind of clutter? What, what, am I, what am I doing to my opportunities? And so let me take you on this journey. Let me give you five things that can determine your success at work. And that's just, uh, and these are, these are from my heart, and these are things that I think are just going to help you. Repeat them with me, please, first. Say your knowledge and skill. Your desires. Your consistency. Your support, your grit. Those are five things that can absolutely change and, and rearrange and better and improve your work life. The first thing I want you to think about is your knowledge and your skills. Not your, not your prayer life. Now, a lot of Christians, you know, they pray and ask God for stuff. I'll talk about that in a minute. But what do you know? What do you know? I had a teacher, she just passed a little while ago, her name is Dorothy Jean Furlong, and 
Dorothy Jean was amazing. She was a hoot. She was an absolute hoot. Last time I saw her, she hit me with her cane very hard uh, in front of people. <laughs> I thought, okay, that's, you're, you can hit me, I guess. I, I mean, she says, I was, this is the time I was doing the two churches back and forth. And she walked up to me, and she didn't say anything. She says, what? No. She hit me. What are you doing? And I said, yes, ma'am. Um, and I explained what I was doing. She said, okay, I can live with that. But she passed just about a, about a month ago. And she had a saying, students, God cannot anoint an empty head. There's nothing in there. There's nothing to work with. You're praying for something that he cannot do. You want to teach the Bible, but you don't know Romans. You don't know Ephesians. You don't know Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. You don't know Nahum, Zephaniah, Habakkuk. How are you going to teach the Bible? Well, I mean, I, I want you to understand, if you are serious about teaching the Bible, learn it. Makes sense, right? Can I get an amen to that? You cannot do work well if you do not understand. You cannot teach others what you do not know. You can't. And so the first thing you want to think about is, what do you know? I am, <laughs> I went to this car salesman one time, and he was trying to sell me this car. He didn't know anything about the car. I thought, well, golly, you don't know anything about the car. How are you going to sell me? He said, I don't know how that works. I don't know how that works. I said, well, what? <laughs> Who are you? Why are you in this car with me? There's something about being honest about what you don't know. Knowledge is important. So if you want to be the kind of person who has success at work, know your job. When's the last time you read about your area of, of study? When's the last time you read a book about what you do? When's the last time? Do you know any of the current research? Do you care? Watch a video. Did you Google it? I mean, what have you done? The company you work for, do you even understand how their financials work? Do you understand what they're, how they're doing in the marketplace? If you're not careful, you won't know enough for God to bless you. You won't give him anything to work with. Secondly, your desire. Can you say your desires? What do your actions say you want? out of life, not what your words say. You can say a lot of things. People say a lot of things. But are you a self-driven person who is committed to mastering your job and progressing in your work? I, I, I don't think if we're honest, and I've had to deal with this in my, my personal life, I'll say something, but my desires, what I say, don't line up with my actions at all. Here's how I know you don't want to be in the Olympics, because you're not training. That's how I know you don't want to be in the Olympics. You're not serious about being a fill-in-the-blank if you're not trying to be or preparing to be. There's something about preparation. When I became a grandfather, everybody laughed at me because I said I joined this grandfather, this association, this research association, and I was researching about grandfathers. And everybody thought, oh, he's out of his, he's off his, oh, boy, help him, God. But you know why? Because I really wanted to be a good one. I wanted to understand. And the only way I'm going to understand is I do research or I try to read about it, study about it, because I want to be better at it. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better pastor. I want to handle the scriptures right. So there's something about my actions lining up with my desires. And here's what's really powerful for me to sit down with myself and say, I really want that, and I'm willing to pay the price for that. Or to be honest and say, you really don't want to do that temple. Your actions are saying you don't care. I ask myself those tough questions. Then finally, do you see your job as a great opportunity to improve your life? I love it that one of my staff members always says, thanks for the opportunity. I love that comment. I love the idea that it's seen as a chance for me to get up here and do this. It's an opportunity. When people ask me about schedule, I say, oh, it's an opportunity. Our traveling, it's an opportunity. I, I want to, to, to act like I'm happy. I want to make God believe that I'm happy. Can you say thank you? That's not, that's not happy. Can you say thank you? There's something about saying thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for this job. Do you remember when you first got your job where you work now? How thankful you used to be? You came home, called people, hey, you know, God bless me with a job. Whoa, boy, thank the Lord. I was unemployed. Thank God. Got a paycheck coming on the 15th. I mean, you're so happy. Now look at you. 
You just act like they owe you something. Walk in there like you own the place. And, and so you, you no longer see the opportunity in it. I am 61 years old. Been doing this for 38 years. And I still like it. And I've got visions and dreams, and I'm excited. That's great. I've been married for 39 years. How long? 39 years. In December, 39 years. And I still like that girl. I mean, I, I still like people. I, I, and I, 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 I see this as a big opportunity for me. I, I, I can see myself for 10, 15 years. I can see myself if I stay in shape, take care of myself, do right. I, I believe that I, I, can, I can have more. I, I, I looked out over that ladies only conference, saw the crowd. I said, you know, this is good. This is a good investment. This is good. How the hundreds of ladies in here? This is great. Hundreds, it's great. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Scores of first-time visitors, scores of people, dozens. We ran out of first-time visitors packets. Yay. Come on, yay. Come on, yay. People from all over the region. And I'm thinking to myself, man, this is great. We've got a great concert coming in a few weeks. I mean, I think this is good. We are not dead yet. Can I get an Amen. You know, you need to be excited. The devil's excited about wrecking your life. You need to be excited about kicking him back. Can I get an amen, somebody? He's excited about destroying your family. You ought to be excited about saving your family. He's excited about wrecking your money. You ought to be glad about making money. Can I get an amen, somebody? You ought to be excited about your life. Oh, been out of shape and worried about stuff, man. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. This is a blessing. Sometimes when I'm getting up in front of a big crowd, or sometimes I'm doing things or whatever I'm doing, man, sometimes the nervousness comes on me a little bit. And every time it does, I say, you get under my feet in Jesus' name. I'm, this is an opportunity, opportunity to stand up here and talk, an opportunity to teach this class, opportunity to go to this college, an opportunity to speak in front of this college. I spoke with a bunch of, cut my alma mater the other day. Get up in front of them. Get up there and tell them what God is doing for you. Be happy. It was wonderful. I don't need to be afraid. The president invited me. What am I scared of? What you mean? Stop being so chicken. You're chicken. You're chicken. You're chicken, and you murmur, and you complain. And your wine, if I was God, I'd take it all back. Give me everything back. Give it all back. Give me the house. Give you wine about the house. They said, look at that grass. Well, you got grass. Thank God you got grass. Thank God for a house. Thank God. Amen. You Come on, praise God. Thank God. Get up and be happy. You got a bill. At least you bought something. You got a bill, but you bought something. What? I thank God for every opportunity. I went and bought me a bad jacket the other day. Yes, I did. Did. I'm going to wear it too and, and style. And you may say, that must be the one. Whatever it is, I feel like I need to be alive and celebrate socks, jackets, anything I can and give God praise for my life. Can I give God, you give God a big hand, give God praise for your life. Come on, say knowledge, knowledge. And, skills. and skills, desires, desires. and consistency. Are you consistent? Your consistency is what determines many times your success at work. You're kind of intermittent. You're not, you know, you, sometimes you're timely, sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're reliable, sometimes you're not. If you're going to be successful in any workplace, you're going to have to be a person who is reliable. I call it regular army. You show up. You are there. And you're not always the first to run out the door. You, you are engaged with this company, this, this, this place. There's something about being consistent, faithful. You know every Sunday he's going to be here. Pastor Rick is not going to be, he's not going to not be here. And he's not going to have, we're going to have notes. So we're going to be prepared. And there's a series. And there's a, he tells you what's going to happen next week. He's consistent. That, that's what makes the difference. Are you consistent? Can you be relied upon? There's something about being unsure. I think that's why some churches can't grow. Because what, what do people ask you? What do people ask you when you invite them to church? What's the first thing they say? How long is it? You know why? Because churches aren't consistent. You don't know when you're getting out. You pray, oh, God. Now, some of you know, oh, man, you're going to be gone within, within 30 minutes. Oh, you're going to be maybe 20. You'll be out this door. We're going to be eating grits in a few minutes. <laughs> and today, you know, breakfast is, is free. No charge today. 
This on this Sunday. <laughs> yeah, it's Freedom Day. Let me say, wait, some of you gonna find the breakfast now. Where is it? Where, where is the breakfast at? He said, free breakfast. <laughs> Consistency. You, know, you you get you get mad when you, you can't trust. You don't know you don't know what to believe. You don't know what they're saying. You're trying to follow the sermon. I don't know where he at. I don't know what he's trying to say. It may be an hour. I, remember, I never will forget, I went to hear a guy preach one time. He'd already preached a long time. He'd already preached an hour and a half or something like that. And, I, and I, he got up. I won't say his name. He got up at the end of it. He said, you know what? I have another word. Oh, I ain't making this up. I'm not making this up. I almost want to say his name, but I'm not going to say his name. <laughs> but he went another hour. Yes, he did. I just fell asleep. <sighs> Wake me up when he finished. The first one was too long. When you see that now, every time I think, I I get, oh, I can't go hear him. Because I don't have that much time. I don't have that much time. You can create an inconsistent lifestyle. Nobody can trust you. When are you going to show up? Are you going to be there? Are you going to get it done? Are you going to pay me? Are Are you reliable? You want, you want them to bless you, but you're always late. You're tardy all the time. You, 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 you take all your, your days. Nothing wrong with taking your days. Plus. And then you call in. You know you're not sick. They know you're not sick. Either, they saw you at the mall later that day <laughs> running around. And they, you knew this project was, had to be done. But you, you had to go out with your girlfriend or your friend or whatever you did. And they see you. And they say, now that's embarrassing. That's a shame. But you want them to pay you big money. Inconsistency is a challenge. It robs good people of great opportunity. Are you reliable? Send me and say knowledge and skills, desires and consistency. And here's the fourth, and you're ready to might surprise you, support. Who taught you? Who mentored you? If you are a self-taught person and you've never allowed anybody to support you, teach you, guide you, you will not be great at work. At some point, you will run out of knowledge, and you will, you, you will cap the company, cap your department, because you, you're not, you don't let anybody come in and, and support you, lift you, build you. Your support team will tell us the boundaries of your life. My support team tells my story. If the people around me are not able to help me be better, I will never be better. And if I don't invite support in, and my areas of weakness. If I don't let somebody come in and show me, okay, pastor, uh, when it comes to this area, you need support. So I have, I have a whole team that does the finances. We, all the finances are, are audited every month. There are, we have an in-house team. And then we have an out-of-church team. And then we have an annual review. I just, I just can't do that by myself. I can read financials, I can do all that, but I can't do it by myself. I need support. Can you say support? support. You need support. You need somebody to help you. When you start making money, I'm telling you, you need, a, you need accountants, you need, a lawyer. you need people that can help you, you need a lawyer, somebody can show you. you. If you don't let people support you, you will run out of gas. One of the biggest mistakes young people are, make is they won't let anybody support them. So let me understand this. You have a parent that has lived longer than you. Twice your age plus. You have a person that has failed and succeeded. You have a person that has funded you all, all, all of your life. You meet Billy Bob. He ain't paid for nothing. You meet Susie Mae. She ain't paid for nothing. And in five minutes and a couple of kisses, they know more than everybody else. They become your support. That's foolish. I, you know, my, one of my biggest deficits in life, I did not have older people around me long enough who would share. You can have them around you, but who would share wisdom. What I would wish some older person had said to me was, come here. Now, your church is growing. And what are you making? 
Okay, good. You're doing, making good money now. Okay, what are you doing with your money? Don't give it all away. No, not temple. You can't give a third of your money away. In the name of sowing seed. That's foolish. It's nice, generous, but the day will come when you need that. And God gave it to you for you. Honor God with your tithe. Give to some, but don't give a third of your money away for years in the name of sowing seed. Stop. Uh, look at your schedule. Why can't you, if you're full-time, exercise three times a week? Help me understand that. Why must you answer the phone 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Why must you wear a suit seven days a week, even to the beach? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Why are you, why are you GQ everywhere? You need to downgrade. Boy, you need to slow down a little bit. Why, why? Why must you travel and do revival meetings and preach? You don't need to do all that. Tell them to listen to a tape. I, I, I tell they, they, they look at us, they want you. I say, I'm not coming to preach. How many days? Oh, no, I can preach one time. I'm not coming. I'm not doing all that. No. A friend of mine, you know what he said one time? Robin Gould. Robin, Robin Charlotte. Robin said, well, no more multiple services. If you want to hear me, you got to come one time. He did. He changed everything. He did. He told me, I'm not doing all that. He did that about 10 years ago. He said, I'll let all y'all kill yourself. I'll be here when you get back. <laughs> Robin's, Robin's ahead of his time. He's true. I ain't doing that today. Don't get nervous. But I'm saying, but, but you got to cut somewhere. So that means the day-to-day -day management. That means I, I have to let support come in. That's why I'm okay, because I have support. I let people help me. Some of you are just, you, what are you doing? You're the manager, but you won't let, you won't build your team. You're, you're, you're leading a business, but you won't let anybody help you. You're killing yourself. Are you in business or is the business owning you? At some point in your life, you've got to let support. Here's another fifth thing. You ready? Everybody say grit. Grit, grit is about being tough. It's really a great book. I want you to just read it. It's, I mentioned it before. Angela Duckworth wrote a book. And she says, grit is about having, an, a, having passion and perseverance. Say those words with me. Please come on. Passion and perseverance. They did a study, and they looked at the people who would, would finish a difficult task, whether it be in a business or whether it be in the military, uh, military schools. Uh, and she discovered, what's the one in South Carolina? They did a study of that one. What's the one? The Citadel. And they discovered that a lot of, the people that finished the program, they, they were passionate and they, they were people who persevered. They weren't necessarily the smartest. They didn't have the highest IQ, but they had that extra grit. And that's, that's one of the things that makes you different at work, that you're passionate and you persevere. You're, you're, you're the kind of person who's going to be there. Now, I want you to, I, I put her TED Talk on there. You can go Google her name and TED Talk and you'll see grit and you can, you can, you can watch it. It's, a, it's worth the 20, 30 minutes. It's an incredible talk where she talks about, her name is Angela Duckworth, and she talks about this incredible idea of being committed to hard work. And so you check that out. Let me give you two common misperceptions that Christians can have about work. And this is a Christian issue. Number one, God alone determines what I will do and the salary I will make. Read that with me. Come on. God alone determines what I will do and the salary I will make. That is not true. He's not, he's not the one saying, okay, you get this and you get that. No, he's not. Now, take it out of, off, off the table for a minute, injustice for a minute, okay? Let's just, we know that there's injustice with women being, making less than men for the same job. That's unjust. That's just wrong. We'll never do that here, ever. We, we, we're not going to give the guys the money and the women not. We're not going to do that. If you earn it, you earn it, you make the money. Okay? Now, the, the issue, though, is for some Christians, they think if I pray, God is the reason why I get the salary. And that's a misperception. There's a verse in Galatians 6 I'll deal with in a minute. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows. Say that with me, please. Come on. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Whatever a man sows, that 
Read with me again. Come on. Whatever a man sows, that, that, say that, that, whatever a man sows, say it with me, please, that. One more time. Whatever a man sows, that's it. You can't, you can't, you got it. That's right. You can't, you cannot blame somebody else for having that if they sowed it. It's important. God alone, God alone does not determine what happens. Secondly, here's another misperception, that God will grant me the desires of my heart without the hard work to match. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 9 again. It's not true. If, you're, if it doesn't match, here, here's what I believe is true about me. I outwork people. I put my study of life against shows any day. Come on, meet you out there in the state. Come on. Meet you at the table. You know, if you're not willing to put the hours in, forget it. Third, are you ready? God prefers to bless a believer over a sinner, even if the believer is not as prepared. Wrong. Haven't you read John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loves people that aren't saved. He loves people that don't know Christ. They will outstretch you. You will work for them. They will write your paycheck with your saved, sanctified, lazy stuff. Yes, they will. They'll write your paycheck. Excuse me, I'm sorry. That's bad. Back up the train, Temple. Getting too hot here. But it's the truth. You work for them. Think about that for a second. You're trying to win them to Christ, and they say, oh, I'm going out to party tonight. But why don't you have any money? Why don't you have a business? I'm not saying everybody's not going to listen. I'm not saying everybody's supposed to. I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. I just want you to understand. Christians think that just because a person's not a believer, that God won't prosper them. And that God's going to prosper you. And then you quote a verse out of context. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous, really. So you think that means that you can be lazy. No, that means that God is going to prosper righteous people eventually. But he's not going to, he's not going to take your, our, our slothfulness, our laziness, and prosper us. If our church is too lazy to work, if our church is too lazy to give, if our church is too lazy to try, God won't bless us. If your preacher is too lazy to prepare a message and too lazy to plan, we won't have anything. If we don't try, I'm not going to be blessed because I'm saved. Because I pray. Do you really think this is all I have to do? Father, give me a million dollars right now. You think that's that? No. I have to have a million dollars worth of effort, skill, knowledge, talent, grit, determination. I, I can't just make it about the devil is the reason I don't have it. Maybe I wasn't strategically smart enough. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. Maybe I was too prideful. Maybe I was hard to work with. Maybe there are other issues in my life that I need to look at and deal with. Maybe I'm using my Christianity as a crutch for real. I'm in there talking in tongues and yelling, but I need to be answering the phone. Maybe I'm a horrible employee. I may be a Christian. I may be, don't get confused. You can be a good person. You can mean well. But I tell myself, you better get this bed temple. Here's what I tell myself. What you want to be today? The apologizing guy or the guy on time? What you want to be today? What man do you want to be, sir? Think about it. Here's number four. God will continue to advance me even if I don't work to advance myself. All I got to do is pray. Just pray. Prayer changes things. All I got to do is pray. I don't know if I like that, Pastor Rick. Yeah, you think prayer alone changes things and you do nothing? You think that's what that means? That doesn't mean that. Whatsoever a man sows, that he should also reap. Skip down, verse 9. Let us not grow weary in what? well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if, here's the question, here's the condition, if we don't what? Faint. If I fall out and quit and give up, it's not going to work. It's, it's only when I, when I, with grit, passion, and perseverance, press forward. Now, seven final things I want to say, and that sounds like a lot, but I'm with through it fast. Seven final things that helped me in my work life. You ready to help me in my life? Number one, I believe in upgrading myself. Everybody say upgrade. 
I upgrade myself so that I can give God something to work with. I need to make a better Ricky. Upgrade myself. Stop doing the same thing. Somebody told me something the other day. They said they went to the church, and they said they're singing that same songs. Oh, my God, they've been singing for 50 years. It's the same. There's no upgrade. There's no improvement. There's nothing. Have you at least upgraded yourself as a husband? Wife, just get a different colored nail polish, anything. Upgrade. Anything will help. Anything. I, I'm serious. I looked at some of my clothes. I said, get, get through all this out. Jesus. What is this? I'm never going to wear this in life again. I mean, I, I got shoes. I buy shoes. It's true. I buy shoes. And I, I don't buy new ones. I could get them shined up. I do. I don't say, say, just take them and he makes them look new. After a while, you can't make that look new. That's old, dude. Upgrade. Can you say upgrade? upgrade. You didn't say it like you meant it. Come on, say upgrade. upgrade. One more time. Say upgrade. upgrade. Need to upgrade. Upgrade. Number two, you ready? I believe in having specific, a specific list of things that I want in and out of my life. I want both, in and out. I want this in, I want that out. I need a list. Write it down. You're not serious unless you write it down. I want this in, I want that out. I want this in. That's why I love throwing stuff out. My wife is even better than I am. Oh, God, that woman can throw everything out. I mean everything. I mean, she's big on purging. I get rid of all of that. If I let her in, I don't let her do my say, no, Diane, don't touch my stuff, because you know <laughs> me and you ain't going to get along. No. <laughs> I came home one day from one trip. That girl went in my garage and threw everything out, and I, you know what? My, she gave away. She gave away. Yes, she hope she listened. She gave away some of my lawn equipment. Yes, she did. She said, oh, he don't need that. He, he got a lawn man. She gave it. I said, you better get it back. I made him give it. I went. I did. Everybody they gave it to, I said, I'm bringing my stuff right back to this house. <laughs> I had him bring it back. That's right. I got it back. Then I gave it away later. <laughs> I did eventually give it away, you know. Don't say she was right. All right, moving on. Number three. I believe in timeliness. Setting specific business goals for myself, for my future. This, this, I'm trying to do this by this date, by that date. I was not always good at that. I'm working on it. I want to be timely. I want to set time limits. I want to say, this is, this is what I'm going to do this. And I, this is it. January 3rd. Number four, I believe in planning early and believing, being honest about what is in front of me. Planning early. What's in front of me? That's how I stay on top of stuff. I got to get this Sunday sermon done. I got to do things in order. Planning is really crucial. crucial. If you, it's the, the success of this church, you got full-time staff that can plan. Every Tuesday, they sit down for an hour and a half, two hours, do a debrief, and, they go, and then they, they plan twice a week. And then before the weekend, they have what they call a planning, a, a closed, uh, what, do you, what do you call it? It's a weekend review. And they go through the weekend review, and they summarize, okay, here's what's coming up. Here's what we got going on. All of it's planned out. All the guests we just had, everything is planned out. Everything was laid out smooth as, smooth as silk. It's wonderful. And guess who did not come to the meeting? Me. Because I plan to teach them so I don't have to go. If I have to go to the meeting, there's a problem after 38 years. I show up when I need to show up. And there's, there, and then there's the value in that. We need to have some more executive meetings. We're going to work on that this coming year. There's a few more things we need to do. I need to be more engaged with some things. Because I'm a little bit too disengaged in some areas. So we can work on, we're going to improve that. But overall, strong, strong. And it's about planning. Your family has no plan. We plan vacations. We lay all that out. Diane is a master of that. I mean, we lay, she lays, so everybody has, the, I used to do it. We switched. Some things I did, some things, we know we switch around. For a season, you know, I did the bills. Now she's doing them. It's great. Hey, you do it. Sometimes you need to hand off because you're tired of that right now. So I'm serious. In some of your relationships, you are tired of the lawn. Give it away. Diane has never accepted the lawn, ever. <laughs> I tried to give it to her. She told me, no, I ain't charging that. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going out there. She likes her yard but won't go in. Isn't that a mess? And that's a... I try to tell her. I said, look at that woman over there dying across the street. She cut my woman. My neighbors could get out there. She'd be cutting the weeds. I said, Diane, look at her. She'll lighten you. She said, tell her don't play with me. I am not doing what she does. I mean, she's a, a light to die in. I don't care. <laughs> I am talking too long. Let me get out of here. All right. <laughs> I am, I believe in working with a good attitude. Can you say good attitude? Yeah. That makes it easier for people to work with me. If I have a good attitude. 
Sometimes your attitude is bad. It's hard to work with you. Just too grumpy. And it, it, let me tell you what happens. If you have that kind of spirit, it will, it will ooze into your job eventually. It starts in your home. It oozes into your job, your career. People will not promote you because of your attitude. They don't want you around. Because you're always complaining. You're always, you know, making speeches. People get tired of you. Well, say nothing but amen. Number six, I believe in sharing the limelight and helping others advance. I need to share the limelight. I'll need to be the only guy shining. If it's all about me, that's bad leadership. It can't always be about you. you need, I love what Warren Buffett said. He said, I made a lot of people millionaires. That's why I'm a billionaire. I made a lot of people millionaires. That's why I'm a billionaire. He helps other people exceed. Who have you helped advance but yourself or your family, your own group? It can't be all about one race or one group of people or one ethnic or one gender. I don't even like this class war stuff. You know, shoot down rich people, beat up. No, stop all that. I, need to, I don't need to work for a poor person. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but they don't have any money. I need somebody with some money. They can pay me. Can I hear an amen to that? Amen. How many want to work for a broke person? Raise your hand. Checks bounce, can't get paid. See, see, see. Be careful talking about people. Be careful making that, making that the big issue. I'm not going any further. Number seven, I believe, I believe people with, with resources should care and should share and share the load. I do believe in that. I should share the load. But I don't believe that we need to fight each other the way we are tempted to fight each other in this current environment. Because you do need somebody with money to pay you and to hire you and to pay you benefits. And as a man who pays benefits, Per staff person that's full-time with kids is $2,000 a month. $1,800 to $2,000 a month. Who's going to pay you that? Multiply by 20 staff people and tell me what that is. Thank you, Jesus. Speak in tongues. That's right. I need some music. That's good. Sometimes you're not fair in your judgment. FICA taxes. I get that you people in a lot of these corporations, I get it can be unfair and I get all that. I'm not trying to justify anything. I'm just saying I need to be aware. Here we go. I believe in sharing the limelight and helping others. Number seven, I believe in being honest about the things that hinder me from achieving success. This is stopping me. I need to say this is no longer a benefit to me. I need to admit that. What in your life has hindered your career, hindered you from being promoted on your job? Is it that you're not upgrading? Is it that you're not timely? Is it that you don't plan? Is it that you don't share the light? Is it that you don't have a good work attitude? What is it? I don't know. What is it? Think about it. Look at your life and analyze yourself today. Do I know enough about my job? Do I have a strong enough passion? Does it come through that I'm passionate about this job? Am I consistent? Do I open my heart for support? Do I let people coach me and guide me? Am I the kind of person that knows everything or am I open? Am I a team player? And that's what we'll talk about next week. Dealing with team issues as we close out the year. Learning how to play well with others. I want to show you the power of team. And I want to unlock something for you. Some families, some churches, businesses, cultures, and nations will never see their full potential because they don't team well together. Does your family give, serve, and fight well together? How well do you play with others? This series will help us get ready to build a new future. Getting on the right path is one thing. Building and preparing long-term is another. You cannot do well by yourself. If you don't fight on a team, that's why I believe in church membership. That's why I believe in partnering with people. I believe in having good friends. You're by yourself and God can't bless you the way he wants to. Stand on your feet with me. We're going home today. You know what bothers people about team? You don't get your way. You don't get to dribble the ball all the time. You got to pass the ball. You got to share the load. You got to give it to somebody else. Father, we leave today believing that this is, a, this is a, an important season in our life as we're trying to reimagine our future. We've got to imagine inviting people in that have the capacity and the ability to help us reach goals that we never could reach alone. I don't know enough 
I am not smart enough to do it all by myself. I need a team around me. So, Lord, help us build teams. As we take on this next journey and talk about teams, help us to look around us and build the right team members so that we can get to the goals we, we desire. And so, God, I give you all the praise and all the glory. Look at me before I close you out and say this. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, what, what in a Q&A session, uh, leaders asked me, they said, what, who helped you? Who was your mentor? Where, would, where did you learn and grow? I said, if I'm really honest, it was a team of people at Life Pacific University. It was a college for me. That, for some of you, it was Savannah State. For some of you, it's Armstrong. I don't know where it is. Some of Georgia Southern. I don't know where it is. I don't know where your school is. Harvard. I don't know where you went. But there's a group of people, mentors, who came together and taught me how to read at a higher level, how to learn. They changed my life. That's the honest to God truth. Who's your mentor? Who's your team? Who's got your back? too much of an isolationist isolationalist to get to where you need to be Father help us today leave this place open to your transforming power for some they need to join this church this is the team they need to be a part of for some they need to stream in and be a part of this every week to connect to this truth on demand or in person for some this is the place and God, I pray that what we talked about today in these last 50 minutes would have blessed them and lift their life to a new place. May they leave this place and say, I get it. And so we thank you and we praise you. We honor you. We give you all the glory. If there's anybody here, Lord, that doesn't know your Savior, they've never given their life to Jesus, they've never prayed the prayer that this is the time I need to make a life change. With every head bowed, everyone says, anyone says, Pastor, pray for me. My walk with God is a question. I'm in, I question that. Would you pray for me before I leave? so that I can leave here knowing that I've at least dealt with that big issue in my life. I'm a good person, but I haven't been walking with God, and I want you to just pray for me as I leave. Every head bowed for your privacy. Raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Anybody say pray for me. I see a hand. Anybody else saying pray for me? I see another one. I see more hands. God bless you. I see more hands. Father, touch these. I see you, sir. I see you. Father, bless these. Anybody else want me to pray for you? Father, I pray for these whose hands are lifted and whose hearts are lifted, both in the building and at home. May this be the transforming moment when they say, Jesus, come into my heart and be the Lord of my life, whether it be on demand or in person, doesn't matter. Bless them and let this be the beginning of a new life in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Here's what I want you to do. Now look in your, in your seat pocket. Well, I pray you enjoyed today's message. I pray that it lifted you up. You know, the Bible said the word of God can go down to the very marrow of the bone. It can reach into the very deep parts of your soul. And I hope you were blessed today. If you like the message, it helped you. Link it and send it to a friend. I really appreciate you being with us today. And I pray that God will use this word to bless you and many others. You have a blessed day. God bless.